What's going on and welcome to Barely a Podcast where Bill Zimmerman and I are reacting as quickly as we could to some true breaking news because Bill, you and I are in a group chat on Twitter. We were literally asking each other earlier today, hey, has anybody heard uh, anything regarding uh, like trade information? And then boom. Roquan Smith is a Baltimore Raven. The Bears pick up not just a second-round pick, not just A.J. Klein, but the higher of the Ravens' two fifth-round picks. It's within the negotiation. Bill, what is your initial thoughts to number 58 no longer in a Chicago Bears uniform? Well, my initial thought first was shock. It was genuine shock, like, you know, kind of that mouth agape shock. I did not think that Roquan Smith was going to get traded. I wasn't sure exactly how Ryan Poles was going to handle the next offseason. I assumed he was going to receive a tag. You know, EJ Snyder and I had talked about a couple weeks ago on my podcast that maybe he's not going to get a tag with his inconsistent play this year. But, you know, he's he's been up and down. But, you know, genuinely shocked that Ryan Poles did this. But, you know, we talk about it all the time that if you are a Ryan Pace player on a Ryan Poles football team, and I understand Justin Fields, and I know how good Tevin Jenkins has been lately, but you just, you know, that just shows that anyone, if you are not a Ryan Poles guy, it's possible you could get traded. I like the return. I was pleased that this actually happened. And I can get into the details, obviously, as, as we move forward here in this little quick podcast. But, you know, shock was the first reaction. But then once all the details came out, I was pleased with Ryan Pohl's decision. Absolutely. I mean, look, I don't want to make it sound like some, okay, so Bill, I am worried about the optics of what I am about to say, because <laughs> it's going to sound, if you've never heard me before, like either I just hate linebackers or suddenly because Roquan Smith's not a Chicago bear that yeah. I've turned coat. But Bill, I mean, his play this season to say he didn't fit the Matt Eberflus four, three is an understatement. I mean, it's a very run heavy role and I know we'd identify before the season that at least in my opinion I didn't think Roquan meshed with this system well but I can't tell or I only I'm going off feel here as much as I am all 22 analysis it feels like Roquan has left more plays on the field than he's actually made this season and that's obviously not what you want to see for a linebacker that is truly asking the moon I mean Bill we don't know what's going on behind the doors of NFL, like front offices all over the place. But I think you'd agree that with Bobby Wagner having blown the market open only a couple years ago, Fred Warner further pushing the ceiling, linebackers have to be approaching a peak in terms of just total contract value, right? I mean, nobody's saying that Roquan Smith right now is somehow the last super deal on the or like within football, but a linebacker right now, it's just a hard value to peg so like you're saying I mean I think there's a huge win that the Bears got them or got Roquan off their future books regardless because of how poor I would say his scheme fit was but then I mean for crying out loud Bill it the Twitter notification comes up Roquan Smith's going to who the Ravens very smart franchise I don't know what your first thought was I thought oh gosh did they get a third but to hear a second and a fifth, and a warm body coming back. You know what? I am stunned 
that Ryan Poles was able to command that kind of value for a player playing as poorly as he was that not to mention Bill I mean there are so many agents that you've got to think were able to just sit back and leave uh, like leave Roquan in Poles' hands and say what are you going to do keep him so I'm just I'm very, very surprised at the return. I think that it really works out for the Bears. I mean, to put this in perspective, Bill, Roquan Smith just became a $20 million free agent, a second-round pick, prestigious pick at linebacker to replace him, and another role player. That's a lot of value for a guy that wasn't really bringing much to your defense right now anyways. Yeah, and look, you you brought up his play, and I think what you said about his play was fair. I mean, yes, has Roquan had a couple great games? Sure, he has had a couple very good games, but he has had some duds. And I was hoping that maybe he had gotten more comfortable in the system and we were going to keep seeing better play, but he took another step back against Dallas. And I don't know if that played into it or not, where Poles was finally like, no, he's not going to be – He's not going to be a fit in this system, but you know, you talked about his play. Well, let me talk about the contract. And and I've been pretty consistent about what I've been saying since Roquan held out over the summer. And that is that I think 100% Roquan Smith should be asking for five years, hundred million, 55 million guaranteed. Easily. Because that is what Leonard and Warner, that's kind of the progression there. And it doesn't matter if he's not better than Leonard or Warner, you know, Kyler Murray was not the best quarterback in the NFL when he became the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. It's just how these progressions work in salaries. So that's what Roquan should be should be asking for. But 100% if I'm Ryan Poles, I would not want to be paying an off-ball linebacker who, as you brought up, inconsistent play. I would not want to give him that kind of cabbage. So when I looked at this, I had no problem with Roquan Smith holding out and everything he did, but I had no problem with Ryan Poles kind of sticking his heels in and going, you're not going to get that that contract here. Let's play this out and see how you fit in this defense and how you play this year. And I think the decision was he knew he wasn't going to be paying him that kind of money. So let's get some value and not deal with the tag and, and everything else in, in this offseason. And, and another thing, and I think off-ball linebackers are the offensive equivalent or the defensive equivalent of running backs on offense. They are useful players. They are important players, but they are replaceable players unless you get an extra special talent. And I don't think Roquan is very good, but I don't think he was that extra special talent. And, and these, those type of linebackers, they, you know, Robert, they do not last long. I mean, the type of guys that we've seen kind of get contracts or, or, or fall apart. I mean, Deion Jones, Zach Cunningham, Jalen Smith, Anthony Barr, Miles Jack, Jamie Collins a few years ago. And, and, and look, as good as Shaq Leonard is, he hasn't gotten on the field this year. Right. So the amount of issues you have in paying a linebacker and getting value out of that out of that second contract, it's very difficult to do. And I was talking to Brad Spielberger from PFF. Name me a high-paid, not, not an edge, name me a, a high-paid linebacker that was on a defense that reached the Super Bowl. Because yep. I can't think of one. I'm not saying there's not one out there, but I can't think of one. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bill, you're preaching to the choir here. Look, anybody who has listened to my streams before has literally heard me say this. And so I'm going to borrow my own words just so that it's clear I'm not turning my coat, so to speak, on a very, very good player. Roquan Smith plays like you're talking about that off-ball linebacker position. And what was the best season that he had in his life, Bill? If you saw the same tape that I did, so to speak, it's probably 2018, where he looked stellar. Well, why was that? He had 
Akeem Hicks in front of him, and Eddie Goldman soaking four to five run gaps. Those two were incredible. Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd also pinching the edge so that Roquan could truly just play side to side without any threat of anybody blocking him. And if an offensive player did leak through, who took on the block but Danny Trevathan, who wasn't a a run thumper, so to speak, Bill, but he went outside of his normal game to protect Roquan even further, so when they played teams with spicy running backs like uh, Todd Gurley and the Rams, Roquan could be the difference in that game. But if we were baking a cake, Bill, is Roquan Smith the icing or the cake? Because if it's me just trying to call it out, I don't think that a player that needs that much protection can be part of your fundamental defense, right? And I feel like when you're going through team building, you have to pay for cake and you have to draft your icing. And it's great that Roquan served the Bears as much as he did. He really was a key piece to that Ryan Pace defense that was legendary, and his name ought to be remembered that way because he was a huge piece of a legendary defense. But like you're saying, at this stage in his career, he's a locker room leader for a bygone regime. Khalil Mack got traded somewhat ruthlessly. Robert Quinn got traded and evoked tears from Roquan Smith just last week. I'm not about to say that the writing was on the wall. I am about to say that I think that this makes so much sense. And seriously, a second round pick and what might as well be $20 million in cap savings, this feels like a Bears win for me. At the very least, it's a mutual win all around. Yeah, I I agree. And look, the only thing that's giving me pause is the fact that the Baltimore Ravens rarely make mistakes. And if the Baltimore Ravens are giving up a second-round pick for Roquan Smith, they absolutely have plans to pay him next year. They are not going to rent him and let him go for a second and a fifth and A.J. Klein. But but the Ravens don't make mistakes. So that gives me a little pause that maybe I'm not looking at this right, but like you talked about, the fit and the play. And I think, you know, if Ryan – you get look – this is Ryan Poles' show. And, you know, whether you like Ryan Poles or dislike Ryan Poles, it's his show. He's got the keys to the castle. He's going to be making the decisions. And if his decision was that Roquan Smith was not going to fit into the long-term plans, then, yeah, get what value you can get for him. And getting this much value, it, look, it, it has me pleased. I mean, that's two second-round picks. They've got a first-round pick again next year, two second-round picks. Now they've got two fifth-round picks. They're, you know, they're, you know, they got the fourth round pick now, two fours for Roberts, you know, with the Robert Smith, Robert Smith. I'm Robert Robert Smith. Nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. But, uh, you know, he's really starting to get some draft capital. I think if he makes no more moves, that's going to be 20 draft picks, his first two drafts. I mean, that's what you talk about. That's what you want from a GM is a guy who's going to stockpile picks, get depth and and find some stars and some talent along the way. So I I agree with you. I think the writing was on the wall. I think we've been kind of trending to this. I didn't think we'd get here. I didn't either. But but sure enough, here we are and we we move forward. And I think, is it going to hurt this year potentially with the defense? I know Roquan, you know, has been up and down, but, you know, there's going to be a hole in that defense that, uh, you know, we'll see who's going to fill that role. You know, I assume they're going to give Jack Sanborn a chance. That'll be fun and exciting, I think, for Bears fans to see what he can do. And, you know, A.J. Klein, I'm not really expecting anything out of A.J. Klein. I think that is just a warm body that, um, 
that they need in their linebacking core. They don't have a lot of veterans. They don't have a lot of right. depth there right now. I think that's all it is. Look, he was a he was a solid player a few years ago in New Orleans. Uh, you know, you're not going to knock your socks off. I don't really know what he's been up to the last couple of years. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, I did check, and he was in, in Buffalo before this and not doing much. So, obviously, this is a guy in his early 30s that is kind of fading. So, again, that's just more of a, a, a warm body to keep in the mix there. But I am really pleased with with uh, with this. You know, again, it's tough because, look, Roquan, was, that was a, a, a face of the defense for the last few years. But I think it's the right move. But not run. this year. And I mean, there's a trade that will happen. Eddie Jackson's got the face of the defense and again that's, this year. That's a trade we are going to have to talk about on this. Yes, yeah, sure, short, quote unquote. But like that, th- this is the trade deadline special officially, Bill. And sure. like we're right in the thick of it. I mean, the fun, the crazy part about this is so you mentioned that there's going to be a hole on the defense. This is the rare year, Bill, where I'm going to put my nerd hat on and say that's almost. Okay, if not an asset. I mean, Roquan Smith, more than likely, gives you five more positions within the draft just because the Bears probably dropped the two Lions games on account of this, or at least drop one of them. I mean, that's a team that is running the ball like superheroes, and you just took away one of your faster linebackers. It's going to be that much tougher to track down DeAndre Swift without Roquan Smith, and if they lose to the Lions, they go from, you know, potentially as high as 8-8 eight and eight, or 8-9 and nine, maybe even nine and eight if just everything falls their way down into like the five and 12, six and 11 cloud. And hey, Bill, if they did that, I mean, this might be the year for it. Now, the question becomes, is the locker room on board with this? Because as much as nerds, hello, that's me, would talk about what you could do to maximize your resources, Bill, Justin Fields, like, is he in on the plan? You know, not did somebody let him know that this was coming, not did he have inside information, but does he feel sold out because his defense just got worse? Obviously, Bill, it would be pretty exhausting to play every single game like the Cowboys game just was, where if you don't score 49 points, then you're out of or you're run out of the building. But it's there does have to be some kind of balance here. That said, I mean, Brad Spielberger, Jason from over the cap. Dan Weirderer and Adam Johns have all now dropped hints about the Bears potentially adding some kind of offensive veteran. So I I have I have no idea what the Bears are doing right now. We are in the middle of wheel and deal mode. And while we're on the topic, I'll ask you this. Are you trading Eddie Jackson if you got to choose? And if you are, what price is your minimum where somebody has to make blank offer to get off your couch? Yeah, and, and I actually jumped in the mentions on uh, on Jeff Hughes, the Bears blog, because he was talking about, you know, is, is Eddie Jackson next? And he said, you know, you got to try and get a first round pick for him. Now, a 20, he's not 29, but he will be 29 in about a month. A 29 year old safety who makes about 14 million a year. And I know he's playing really well. Phenomenal. I do not think you can get a first round pick for Eddie Jackson. I think you could get a third round pick for Eddie Jackson pretty easily, but I don't know if I want to move Eddie Jackson for a third round pick because, you know, we talked about it. I think when we, when we met, when we did a podcast together over the summer, kind of the training camp preview that Eddie Jackson was playing for his job, right? He was playing for Ryan Poles to say, yes, he's worth the money to stay on this roster. 
Buddy Jackson has proven that in this system, he should stay on this roster. So if I'm not getting a second round pick, I'm not even considering trading Eddie Jackson right now. And I don't know if there's a team out there that would give it to for a 29 year old safety. But I think at this point, like Roquan Smith, because of his inconsistent play and because of where he was at linebacker, you can kind of sit there and be like, you know, I don't know if that's going to decimate the defense as important as he was. If you pull Eddie Jackson off the secondary it might be the worst defense in the league you know if not outright you know you're yeah you're not you're losing a big guy back there that quarterbacks and offensive coordinators are paying attention to and and, you know you just have Jalen I know you got a couple rookies who are playing well you are really creating with if you trade your three best defensive players which is and you know all three out of four with Jalen Johnson and that's in essence with what Quinn Roquan and, and Eddie Jackson would be you trade away three out of those four. You're going from a defense that's played pretty well and that average and probably above average range, especially in the second half, you are making them an atrocious unit. And, you know, and, and again, this is something they're trying to build on for the future. It just doesn't make a lot of sense for me to trade Eddie Jackson unless a team calls up. You know, like I said, if, if you know, Jeff Hughes brought up the Buffalo Bills. If the Buffalo Bills called up and said, we're going to give you our first round pick for Eddie Jackson, you know, I'll pack Eddie's bags for him. Like that, that's a no brainer. I don't care if it's the 32nd pick of the first round. It's a no brainer. It has to happen. Now, I don't think that has any chance to happen. So, you know, if someone calls up, it was going to be a contending team. So you're talking about the back half, back 10 picks of the third round. I don't know if I'm ready to decimate the defense over that. Right. I mean, look, Bill, I'm the wrong person to be on the podcast here because Eddie Jackson, I think is the standout best player on the bears defense and has been for now two years, but especially this year, I will take it even further bill when you're watching the all 22. I mean, just think about it this way. Cause you've seen it all over the place. How many times has a running back broken straight through the line of scrimmage? Absolutely uninhibited 58, nowhere to be seen 53, not in the picture defensive lineman. They're nowhere. And suddenly bang, He goes down 12 yards past the line of scrimmage, and Eddie Jackson's the one who made the tackle. Eddie Jackson has been so underrated in how well he's attacked the run specifically because he's effectively had to play goalie for a defense that's giving up major chances for the offensive running back. Players like Saquon Barkley, who got cut down five times, no less, by Eddie Jackson. I mean, let's put it this way, Bill. I could finish that sentence, but I could also just tell you that last time I checked, Eddie Jackson was second on this defense in tackles. As a free safety, this isn't the first time. We said the same thing in 2020. Eddie Jackson is really good within this defense, especially this defense. And I even think that he's playing at what would be considered a defensive player of the year caliber if the Bears were good enough to generate that kind of notoriety. He has, off the top of my head, four interceptions, collected another one against Dallas in eight games, as well as all these tackles that are game-saving plays. Eddie Jackson's a phenomenal player, and, and because of that bill, I'm actually wondering, like, can you trade him? I I understand he's 29. The move makes all the sense in the world. Truly, it does. Like, trading a 29-year-old safety at the start of a brand new rookie window makes all the sense in the world. But he's playing almost too well. He's so valuable. And he's not playing inside linebacker. This is a position that theoretically is more about what happens before contact than after contact. In theory, a heady free safety could have a relatively long career for a position that normally stops around 34 years old. So I actually have, I will respect Poles' decision 
either way. He's one of my favorite players, so there's a little too much emotion for me. But I'll also understand if they keep him because, as I'm sure you've seen, Bill, Jaquan Brisker, last game against Washington, and even this game against Dallas, sometimes. Everybody kind of looked bad against Dallas. But so, last game against New England, it wasn't Washington. Brisker looked like a revelation. I mean, clearly Eddie Jackson is rubbing off on these young DBs. So can you replace him with a Jordan Battle type in the safety? Well, you could try, but as I'm sure you know, you're one ACL tear away from any draft gamble just patently not working. Then again, I say that as Tevin Jenkins has overcome back surgery to put together a pretty solid pro career so far. I mean, two years in, but it's... The Jackson trade in particular is one that gets my blood boiling just because he's playing so, so well. I hate to let him – or I, I struggle to see the Bears getting better because he leaves the team. But eventually, be it age or injury or a trade, he's going to. So I'd understand the move. I think the more interesting trade I have in mind is, honestly, David Montgomery. And if they wanted to go even crazier, Bill, if they're talking to Darnell Mooney's agent and they just can't agree, maybe there's something there. But I doubt it. Uh, to be clear, we're talking fire sale. We're talking Roquan Smith just got traded. We're talking how deep does this rabbit hole go? Darnell Mooney's got to be one of those like last stops. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Who do you think is safe? Start there, well, Bill. And, and look, and, and you, you just said a lot. There's a lot to unpack that I'll try and go through as much as I can just to kind of wrap on the, on the Eddie Jackson portion of, of the conversation. Look, the secondary is a unit, right? It, it, it is a cohesive unit. 2018, that secondary was, was unstoppable. 2019, not quite, still very good, but not quite as good. Why? Bryce Callahan, Adrian Amos gone, replaced with HaHa Clinton Dix and Buster Screen. It wasn't quite as good. And then you keep, you kept seeing pieces of the secondary disappear and Eddie Jackson disappeared. Now, did that mean Eddie Jackson became a bad player? No, it meant offenses had no reason to throw the ball near Eddie Jackson. So now we're seeing a, a, an improved secondary. Eddie Jackson gets to do a lot more of the things that he's good at. Fluce and, and Williams doing a good job at putting him in a position to do that. And we're seeing what can happen with Eddie Jackson. So looking at that, I, I understand and I agree with everything. You can only trade him if you are getting a big price. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, here's where I'd be surprised if they make moves. Really, is you've already stacked the deck against Justin Fields. We've talked about it. You and I have talked about it. Everyone's tweeted about it. I mean, we know how poor this offense is talent-wise. And I get that David Montgomery probably is not fitting into this team's future plans. Now, there are a lot of running backs available free agency next year, especially in that David Montgomery range. So is he going to have a big market? He may not. And can you bring him back next year on like a two-year, $12, $14 million deal kind of thing? We're only paying him $6, 7000000 million a year? I think that's possible because I don't know how many teams are going to be sitting there wanting to pay David Montgomery $10, 12000000 million a year. Now, it'll be interesting to see because they're absolutely going to let him test the market if they don't trade him. But here's the thing. For this offense to work at all, they need to run the ball 30 to 40 times a game. Khalil Herbert is a great runner. He, we, we love what we're seeing him in, in, this, in this system that gets these put together. He is excelling. But he is a detriment in the pass game where David Montgomery isn't. And if, 
I mean, if you're talking about 30, 40 carries a game and you're given Herbert 15 and you're given Fields 10, you've still got to come up with another 10 to 15 carries, which means Ebner becomes your other guy. And he has not looked the part on offense when he has had opportunities. Maybe he will next year or the year after, who knows, but he's not there right now. So I think trading David Montgomery is really going to hurt what Luke Getze wants to do offensively. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It absolutely makes a lot of sense. And, and here's kind of what I'll say if you're Ryan Poles. You know, it, it's the Ted DiBiase line. You know, if you're an old school wrestling fan, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. So if if Ryan Poles yes. is sitting here, I'm not trading Eddie Jackson, but the Buffalo Bills offer a one. See you later, Eddie Jackson. I'm not trading Darnell Mooney if I'm Ryan Poles, but if the right offer comes along, see you later, Darnell Mooney. He's clearly made it clear that if he gets the draft capital and what he's looking for, he is going to move these players. Not not Ryan Poles' players, but Ryan Pace's players. So when you look at that, I don't think he is going to make trades that are going to significantly hurt this offense. You know, Cody Whitehair, especially with Ryan Poles just wanting to eat money everywhere to try and trade people away. If Cody Whitehair was healthy, that's a guy I could see them trying to trade. You got you got Schofield and, you know, Leatherwood's in the mix now and Patrick and Mustafer. Like, I could see him saying we can lose Cody and still have not as, you know, it won't hurt our offensive line that much. But, I, I, and, you know, Cole Komet, you know, maybe, you know, but again, I don't know if that's something they're going to be looking. I'm just not sure. And I know that they're they're thinking, you know, like you talked about, some of these guys hinting at it. In fact, you know, pull up the curtain. Adam Johns was supposed to be recording with me tomorrow for my podcast, but he punted the next week because he was too concerned that he was going to be tied down for 25 minutes when he needed to be pushing out articles on The Athletic. So the Bears beat thinks things are going to go down. I'm just not sure who those guys are. Montgomery mm-hmm. makes sense, and uh, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, Eddie Jackson could make sense and, and Mooney could make sense if the price is right. But I just don't know if those prices are going to be found. Now, he found a great price for Roquan. So I guess it's certainly possible. But I am just, you know, this year is about developing Justin Fields for me. I can't say it enough. And if you the offense is finally humming, we're finally seeing things come together and to do things that may significantly hurt his progress, uh, that would concern me. I completely understand. I mean, if anything, Bill, I actually think we're not paying enough lip service. Not you and me, but just the Bears' general vibe right now. Paying enough lip service to how, look, I get it. Ryan Poles wants to rebuild. No GM wants to get rid of pieces that are actually useful. There is no sense ripping off a left bicep if you can't replace it with a better bicep. Right, Bill? I mean, look at Cody Whitehair. Cody Whitehair, you you have to really dislike him if you're going to get rid of him based on the way his contract is structured because you're still eating dead money next year. You're just eating less. You're You're getting some money back that you could replace him at left guard with. You know what, Bill? The money's already accounted for. The Bears have millions of dollars in cap space, and none of that has said asterisk assuming a Cody White haircut. Cody may stick around because he had a really solid first five games of the season this year. Absolutely. Like, it's possible that whether it's Eddie Jackson or Cody Whitehair, that some of these guys have earned their way into the future picture. I don't think Ryan Poles is as simplistic as I'm going to set everything on fire purely for the sake of setting 
things on fire. Robert Quinn is not going to be part of a 2025 Super Bowl team. Uh, Roquan Smith was going to make getting to that 2025 Super Bowl a lot harder as everything with the St. Omni drama down to the fact that he's an inside linebacker that doesn't fit in Abraflus's system was making him hard to retain if he was going to be the soul of your team because maybe he's not leading your locker room the direction you want them to be led, right? Not to mention, he's obviously got so many memories of, uh, of a regime that's now gone and you need guys that buy in. Jackson has bought in. I mean, there's no question about it. Whitehair looks like he's on board. It's possible all these guys go. But I actually do think it's a little easier than it looks like to assume that the fire sale will just encompass absolutely everybody. And it might not quite. Just because, again, if you're going to sell somebody, you have to be ready to buy somebody else that's going to be better than them. Or the move was a wash and all you were was somebody with a lot of money in your wallet and nothing to own. Right? Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, and, and I think you made a, a lot of good points there, and I think what you talked about, about playing your way onto this roster, you know? We talked about it earlier in this podcast, how Eddie Jackson was probably playing for his job this year and did so successfully. You brought up Cody Whitehair, another good one. Like, let's rewind the clock all the way to 2014 with Ryan Pace. Because when Ryan Pace came in here and he took his initial assessment of this roster, I have it on pretty good authority that really the only guy that he was planning on keeping around was Kyle Long. Now, over time, he had five guys that ended up sticking on this roster. You know, Kyle Long was one of them. Charles Leno, who at the time was a seventh-round rookie, coming into and and he ended up earning his spot at left tackle. I don't need to hear from the Leno haters. He was a very solid left tackle for the Chicago Bears. Kyle Fuller was drafted by Phil Emery and had a bad second half of his rookie year after really flash and then he got hurt and a lot of people were kind of like Kyle Fuller is not going to be a part of this team moving forward, but he started playing well, earned himself another contract. So this, those kind of things can happen. You know, Sherrick McManus and Pat O'Donnell were the other guys that ended up sticking around. So that can absolutely happen. Cody Whitehair, you know, when Ryan Poles came in, he'd be like, yeah, we're not going to keep Cody Whitehair around. And now he's sitting there, you know, maybe having second thoughts going, you know, a veteran guard like that at that price, you know, maybe, maybe it's worth keeping him around. You know, to me, if I'm Ryan Poles, I'm looking at these Ryan Pace players and going, 
can they contribute in 2024? Not 2023, 2024. If I can get three years with them on my first three years here, then I want to keep them around unless I'm getting a phenomenal price. Eddie Jackson, Cody Whitehair would both still be under their same contracts in 2024, you know, without, without basically any guaranteed money. So it's all kind of free money. They can cut them, you know, if need be kind of thing. So are those type of guys playing their way onto the, the roster? They absolutely might be. Now, again, Ryan Poles has talked about how he loves offensive line. Cody Whitehair kind of going uphill because of the fact that you kind of figure Ryan Poles being an offensive lineman and how he loves talking offensive line, probably going to want five of his offensive linemen. And Tevin Jenkins is already making it very hard for that to be the case. So Cody Whitehair may not be on this roster, but again, and if Cody Whitehair was healthy, I think we'd have different conversations right now about the trade deadline, but it is going to be interesting a lot of the Bears beat, and everyone, like we said, seems to think there's going to be more moves. I'm just really curious who it would be on offense where you're not destroying Justin Fields' development, and on defense, who it could be that's not named Eddie Jackson, right? And I just I just don't know who it is. Again, now maybe, you know, Justin Jones maybe gets traded for a seventh-round pick that can conditionally become a sixth. I'm not talking about those type of moves, but I'm talking about substantial players. I just don't know who else there is. Sure. And then, I mean, there's other assets on the Bears roster that just aren't asset enough to be worth trading for. What contender needs Cole Kmet? Love you, bud. Uh, but it's that's not really a player that anybody is out there necessarily pining for because their tight end room would see him as a massive upgrade. At least I don't think so. So I do think that there's a lot of things that as you start pulling thing or you really start pulling the situation apart that don't make as much sense as maybe they did at first blush right for instance people talk about trading david montgomery if ryan poles really thinks running back is replaceable khalil herbert might be a name that a contender looks at and is like that guy is running like crazy i'll give you a third round pick and ryan poles looks at him and says a third you're gonna give me a third round pick for a running back i mean if you want to like the like you said everybody has a price for a million dollar man it's not that i don't think herbert is value i think he's really valuable i think that a third round pick is also really valuable and you just start weighing the cost right yeah, look justin fields has a price <laughs> if a team called up ryan pulse tomorrow and said i'll give you three first rounders for justin fields he couldn't send them out the door fast enough like you know i think now again is that going to happen no of course it's not right. going to happen so it's a completely hypothetical but it's just that thing that you have to realize if someone's willing to pay and if roquan smith if teams were calling up saying i'm not giving you more than a four then ryan pulse may have been like ah, that's not worth sending him away for mm-hmm. but when you get a second and a fifth you make a move Now, if there's one deal I've got my eye on, and it's not a player, I could actually name you a bunch of players. I could name Brandon Cooks. I could name DJ Moore. I could even name Calvin Ridley, which is a name that I think a lot of people have just sort of forgotten about. But for a team with their eyes on the future, Ridley was a top five receiver talent in his day, and you might be able to get him for a massive budget price for obviously massive risk. But anyways, the point is, let's talk about trading receivers. Because, Bill, if there's one thing about this defense that I actually think so... Ryan Pohl's now trading Quinn and Roquan. Let's say that we maybe we don't know the plan, but would you agree with me that it is evidencing a, the, a greater plan that's in place and we're waiting to see what it is, correct or, or incorrect? Oh, absolutely. With this much capital and this much money, there is there is a there is a plan. plan. So if, there may not have been a cohesive plan in, in March. Maybe it may not. have been that Pohl's needed this year to evaluate and kind of adjust some things and figure some things out, but there is a plan 
that I he there if you're a professional GM, then yeah, there is a plan about what he wants to do between right now and week one, 2023. There has to be. And so if there is a plan, then Ryan Poles would be silly to not have his eyes on the future. And if he has his eyes on the future, Bill, he's going to run into the same thing that any Bears fan on Twitter will tweet at us all the time. This free agency class in wide receiver is particularly poor. I mean, not that they're great every year, right? But there is no, there's not even an option we could pretend is a number one wide receiver. And so for a defense that I won't be surprised to see the Bears attempt to add a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson to, right? If they lose enough of these games, just in case you don't know those players, Bill, or any listener out there, that's yeah, a, edge and three tech. It's yep. a superstar three tech. That's a superstar edge rusher. Both of which would be positions that I cannot imagine a defense and ball control team like the Bears might be just pining over. There has to be some kind of other plan for addressing wide receiver, which is why I will actually open the door on a wide receiver trade. It's not just because I think it'd be some sexy move. This isn't as simple as let's build a Madden style team bill this is a matter of you're acquiring resources you now have if you will a bonus second round pick to work with how do you get a number one wide receiver in a league that's just not giving them out like candy anymore right like George Pickens for as good as George Pickens is Alec Pierce for as good as Alec Pierce is neither of those guys are that guy and most of the teams that are having a lot of success within their passing game unless you're Patrick Mahomes have one of those that guys so I am going to be really interested I mean that's what I get the impression the Bears beat is rumbling about or at least kind of suggesting right that there's some kind of move in the water and hey maybe it's a move for Kendrick Bourne or Nelson Aguilar possible but it wouldn't it won't shock me kind of like how it didn't shock me Roquan was traded right to see the Bears legitimately look at what their options would be in trying to swoop up a number one wide receiver some way, somehow, because come the top of the draft, they would be silly to enter the draft with a massive hole at number one wide receiver and just hope and pray their guy gets there. You know what I mean? Yeah, a- absolutely. And, you know, you brought up, you know, the, those defensive players just really quickly. You know, this defense, a great three tech really excels in. Look at what DeForest Buckner did in Indianapolis. So Jalen Carter to me, you know, and I want them to go offense. I just want to shower Justin Fields with with people around him. But if they're sitting there with the fourth pick in the draft or fifth pick in the draft and Jalen Carter is sitting there, uh, they absolutely could make that move and it would make a lot of sense. Now, talking about building this wide receiver core, and, and here's what's interesting. I was talking to a few people about this yesterday, is... Are you, if you're Ryan Poles, and I agree, we're we're talking about how important the it guy is at wide receiver, especially this year with how defenses have kind of adjusted and said, I'll let you beat me with the short stuff and and the and the running and running the ball, but I'm not gonna let you beat me mid-range and deep. But the the it guys are still getting open. You're not scheming open, you know, uh Dante Pettis, but the it guys are get are getting open. So with that in mind. Looking at how he's going to structure the wide receivers things, the wide receiver room moving forward, right? All right, Vellis Jones is going to be a part of that that thing. Let's look at Vellis Jones and let's put him as a wide receiver four. Gadget guy, special teams, can do a couple different things, utilize his speed, you know, kind of use him like maybe a Corderell Patterson kind of thing. Let's put him there. They still need three wide receivers up top, you know. 
and, and you can look at how they can structure those three. But would they pay two receivers in that 20 million plus range? Because Darnell Mooney, if Justin Fields wants him around and Ryan Poles decides he's going to keep him around, I think that contract is going to be pushing $20 million a year. And I know people are going to sit there, Darnell Mooney's not going to get $20 million a year. He is. But I think he is, especially when you talk about how the wide receivers' salaries are going to go up here over the next couple of years. I think if he doesn't get $20 million, he's getting 18 or 19 Bill, I'll, I'll jump in and give you the mic back in a minute. If he'd had a, any bigger season this year, he'd be getting twenty five. So the $20 million is the budget number because that like that's going to – got to remember, if you're paying Deontay Johnson's price two years later on an extension, that's cheap. This is two years of inflation afterwards, 10% cap increases every single time. That number is a lot more sane than it sounds today. Imagine 500 days from now, Darnell Mooney gets his first piece of a $20 million check. That's where this money is. Back to you. You, Bill. All right. So exactly right. So are you going to go out and trade for, let's just, you know, DJ Moore. It's a popular name that I know the Panthers said they're not moving them. That's a popular, you know, or, or T Higgins or someone like that. You're going to go out and you're going to trade for one of those guys. And then obviously you're going to pay him because you just traded assets for him. You're going to pay him 20 million and you're going to pay Darnell Mooney 20 million. I don't think Ryan Poles is going to do that. I don't have any information, any sources. I don't think he's going to do that. What I think they're going to do is keep Darnell Mooney and he's that guy or maybe move Darnell Mooney and bring in a different guy that you think is better and is going to be better for this offense. I don't think they're both. Then I think next year you bring in a free agent like a Jacoby Myers type that is going to be less than $20 million in that $13, $14 million range. And then on top of that, now you've got three basically you know top you know 55 picks you need to take a wide – you don't have to take a wide receiver with your first pick. Nope. And, and I would love some of those guys up top there. They look a lot of fun, and I'd love to see them in a Bears uniform. But you can get a lot of star receivers in the second round, a lot of star receivers in the second round. So I would absolutely sit there. If I'm Ryan Poles and I'm trying to build my six wide receivers for 2023, I'm either keeping Mooney or I'm bringing in a, a new receiver to replace Mooney. I know that sounds crazy, but that, I'm looking at it that way. I'm bringing in a first-round, second-round draft pick. I'm bringing in a mid-range free agent that I signed. I've got Vellis. I'm kind of thinking Nikhil Harry would be a good guy to keep around. Big body. He can block. He can catch contested balls as kind of that, that backup role who could step in and be the big body that, that you might need. And then maybe, you know, we see Ryan Poles likes to trade down day three, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round wide receiver, grab another one who can also play special teams. Like that's kind of how I would build my wide receiver core. So while I, I you know, some of those names out there, because the free agency, the top of the free agent at wide receiver isn't good. So if you want to come out and get a big target, you absolutely need to trade for one. And you have an opportunity to do that now. But I just don't know if they're going to trade a wide receiver, pay that wide receiver and pay Darnell Mooney. I don't either. But I will tell you, Bill, they have they have an awful lot of money. And so somebody some one of these positions is going to get the middle tier free agent. Wouldn't surprise me if that's potentially a tackle that's brought in like a Jack Conklin type. Wouldn't surprise me if that's a defensive tackle, an edge rusher, though. There's not a lot of edge rushers out there to pay. That's a position that you generally have to draft and where somebody like Will Anderson might make a little bit more sense. It's why this is going to be a wild ride. If I got to choose, I would throw the money at the trenches because I think that if you can go from I mean, 
honestly, Bill, if we're talking about their defensive line, you're going from D minus up to B minus B or even B plus. You get a lot better. Your defensive line doesn't have to be one of the greatest defensive lines in football. It's great to get there, right? But whether it's Bradley Chubb, who was somebody mentioned is free, and that actually might be quite a solid ad for the Bears because you go from, again, a fifth-round pick in Dominique Robinson, a good-looking fifth-round pick, but a rotational edge rusher all the same, to a legitimate starting edge rusher. Maybe you get a Daniel or a David Onyemata from the Saints. You get a better at that nose tackle three tech position you look in the draft it's always hard I think to go into the draft with a clear and obvious hole the way Pace used to right I mean truly Bill Pace couldn't have made it easier for us couch analysts because we got to look (laughs) at the team and say so this year they're taking a tight end and then probably a corner. And then boom, boom, Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson. The David Montgomery draft was just obvious. obvious. Obvious, right? If it was socially acceptable for them to have taken a kicker in 2019, they would have. It was just, <laughs> I mean, it's always been a bad idea. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this all shakes out. I mean, obviously Ryan Poles has a plan, but it wouldn't surprise me if after a win like the Patriots, this locker room starting to congeal a little bit. I mean, if the Bears were 1-5, and five, if they were where the Texans were, even, Bill, if they were where the Lions were, I think I would be a lot more worried about the potential damage that trades like this could do to an already breaking locker room. But the locker room has to be seeing what or like the reward that's in front of their eyes, right? They've beaten some good teams, teams that have gone out and beaten plenty of other teams, like the five and two Jets that got beat by the same Patriot squad that lost inside their house. We'll have to see how it all goes, but here as we get off the phone, because I know you got to go and trick or treaters are about to show up at my house. What are your final thoughts on the Roquan Smith trade and if there's anybody next? Yeah, look, I think someone else is getting traded. And it may not be significant, but I think we may see, you know, I, I mentioned Justin Jones, Angelo Blackson, like those type of guys where someone's like, yeah, I'll give you a conditional seven. Yeah, like, remember when DeAndre Hole right. got traded to the Eagles years ago and it was just a conditional seven? Like I could see some of that kind of stuff happening because Poles clearly likes to move around on day three. But, you know, anyone significant, that's going to surprise me, but it won't shock me. Roquan Smith shocked me because I didn't think it was going to happen. But now that that's happened, the door is absolutely open for any other potential trades of any of these veteran players. If someone says, yeah, I'll I'll throw you a day three pick for them, you know, non day three picks. You know, we mentioned the David Montgomery's and the Eddie Jackson's are are the guys that are going to be targeted. I just had, you know, maybe Darnell Mooney, but those are the guys that I just think could significantly hurt the product on the field. And at, you know, at some point, yes, If you're not going to fit into the future, then, you know, see you later kind of thing, but not at the detriment that the players on the field can't develop because there's too many holes and you're just chasing guys down from behind. So, you know, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I support this move because I'm not a guy that likes to pay linebackers or running backs $20 million a year. So. Yeah. So yeah, I support the move. And I think, you know, AJ Klein, like I said, is just a body, but a second and a fifth round pick. I think that was a big offer. The Ravens came in on and Ryan Pohl said, well, then Roquan Smith is yours. Yep. Uh, look, here's where I'm at, Bill. Earlier in the offseason, you and I were talking. You and I and the whole Windy City Gridiron crew were talking. We were asking, what do you think of Ryan Pulse's offseason, his first te- or his first season hated so it. far as GM? You hated it. I looked back at you and I said, I'm only not going to hate it 
if it turns out that Poles commits to tanking because this doesn't make sense if you're not all in. And after the Robert Quinn trade, it was like, hey, he's at least thinking about the future. But this Roquan Smith move is a great sign that this organization, at least in my opinion, they have a plan, even if it's unpopular. They traded Khalil. They have now traded almost every single face of the franchise that the Bears had. Like, period. Because most of them were on defense. Khalil Mack is gone. Roquan Smith is gone. Robert Quinn is gone. Your your sack leader, your former top 10 pick, like the guy that they, you traded so much for in 2018. And because of that, Bill, I suddenly start to look at the fact that Matt Eberflus over the last four weeks has now aggressively gone for fourth downs, aggressively taken two-point conversion opportunities when they've been on the table. I... I'm really coming around to the way this group is thinking because for better or for worse, so many people have wanted to see a Ravens style analytically driven. It doesn't always have to be the numbers, right? I mean, you listen to the CBS sports crew and Howie Long, Jimmy Johnson, and any of them will tell you the analytics are going too far. And I'm not trying to push us there, Bill, but it's really cool to see the way this regime is starting to think. And I personally am excited to see what happens next. I'm even thinking, already could you trade down out of the second round and collect two third round picks somewhere in there and grab a linebacker with one of those third round picks because that's a hot spot to grab inside linebacking talent I mean this gives Ryan Poles a ton of options so that whatever way the draft board falls we don't have to do what we did during the Ryan Pace era where we just hope and pray that the guy that we all are staring at falls to the board but instead I mean Bill, let's say it out loud. Braxton Jones is starting to chain decent-looking games together. His run blocking is really bubbling to the forefront. I'm not about to try to pretend that Roberts or that uh, Ryan Poles' plan is faultless or that his draft class will remain faultless. There really isn't a great way to beat the draft, as a lot of data has shown us. But the only way to try is to take more shots. And these kinds of picks, the fact that they not only got a second-round pick, they got a fifth-round pick too. Like, that could be... Bill, a starting running back. That could be a sweet, like, backup corner. And yes, depth matters. That could be a sweet center. You just don't know until the draft board falls that way. I, for one, am excited about the move. I'm excited to see how they spend the money, but I'm trying to remain metered because there's nothing more exciting, Bill, than having a ton of resources until you draft Clennon Farrell, number four overall, follow it up with Josh Jacobs, and suddenly the Raiders went from, wow, we have so much money, to, oh my word, our team is awful. How did we get here, right? It's not just about accruing resources. You have to spend them well, too. Absolutely. The NFL has proven you cannot... Now, you want to sit there and talk about a team like the Rams? You cannot buy a championship. And people sit there, oh, F them picks. The Rams bought a championship. Go look at who the Rams tra- uh, drafted on, like, in the round three and four and five with those picks they had. They made them count. They found contributors. So you can sit there and be flagrant with your first first round picks and second round picks and go out and go after big name players and go trade for them. But the Rams still drafted intelligently and found contributors. You cannot buy a team. This isn't the New York Yankees in baseball, you know, 15 years ago where you just can put 20 million at every position. You have to draft well. Ryan Poles, he may have had a couple misses, but it looks like he also had a few hits. And you're not going to hit everyone. You have to be pretty pleased. It's still obviously too early to give him a grade, but you have to be pretty pleased 
with the talent that Ryan Poles found. And if he understands what Ryan Pace didn't, because I still sit here and support that Ryan Pace was a good drafter. And someone will sit there and throw some of the busts at me. And I understand Adam Shaheen in the second round was terrible. But he found a lot of talent in the rounds four and rounds five. A lot of his players panned out. But he didn't give himself enough swings. And right now it looks like Ryan Poles is going to give himself enough swings. And you come in with 20 first and second year players out of the draft and probably, you know, the 8, 10, 12 free agents that are going to come in as well. Well, you're going to have a brand new roster with just a few of the, the pay, a few of the pace guys left. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this all comes together next offseason. Because, hey, hey, Bill, just to just to see if maybe I can even win you over a little bit. If in the offseason you were trying to cobble together the best receiving group that you could for Justin Fields, would you have come up with a receiver group that would have taken your flexibility away to pivot to this run-heavy quick game attack that really seems to be opening things up for Fields? I mean, Fields right now is still not playing well in the quick game. That's fine, though, because they're using his legs and the fact that he's really solid in option football, basically, to I mean, it's practically like running the veer on first down so that they can set up other stuff that he did at at Ohio State. If you had paid big money for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, now you got to keep him. And the Bears basically just kept all their cards. If somehow Fields can develop anyways this year, I would argue that Ryan Poles set him and Fields up for maximum success because they figured the blueprint out. Right. They didn't even really know the blueprint. They knew they had to get away from whatever Nagy tried to do. But what could Fields do? They had a bunch of pieces. They didn't have the puzzle. Right. I I can't help but think that Roquan, who was just not a part of the future, I think you could see it in this defense that you compare him to what they've done with Fields. They're stocking the cupboard. It's going to be a matter of how they deploy it. But either way, Bill, like we've just got to hope that. I mean, maybe you're hoping you do. Maybe you're hoping we don't, that we're not having to come back and record another one of these in just three hours after some (laughs) other slam dunk trade. What else do you have coming up that you can tell the people about as we sign off? Yeah, like I said, there'll there'll be a podcast out this week. Searching for a guest right now as Adam Johns has postponed a week, but we'll we'll get something together and get something out there. Obviously, a lot to talk about. We'll dive into the Roquan Smith trade a little bit. We'll dive into, you know, I feel like I've talked about all this, you know, a lot already because we've done two, you know, two hours now of, of podcasting right. about this. But we'll hit it all on on my podcast and and like I said, you know, look for Adam Johns next week on my podcast. You know, and like I said, this is uh, look. It's a fun time to be a Bears fan because Justin Fields is coming into his own. If you weren't drinking some random Kool-Aid you found in a, in a, in a sewer, you, you, you understood what this season was with the Bears. So you, you knew there were going to be some lumps along the way. And now we're seeing an opportunity for Ryan Poles' plan to come into focus next year. And I'll say this, if Justin Fields is that dude and he looks like he is, the expectations with the amount of draft picks they have where you're now expecting three or four new starters in the draft coming out three or four new starters next year coming out of this draft and the four five six seven starters whatever they end up deciding to do in free agency you're going to see a lot of new faces that can play football at the nfl level and this team the expectations for this team next year of justin fields can be the guy at quarterback is going to be like 10 wins it's and be- that's what I 
it's going to be one of these teams where they're the Cincinnati Bengals and make that big jump. Bill, that's what we're going to be looking at. So this could be a fun, uh, you know, next 12 months for the Bears. And of course, Bill, for crying out loud, because because we are fans of the team. Anytime we project 10 wins, there's going to be somebody else out there that says, don't you mean 14? But <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. All the Absolutely. same as usual. Like I'm digging into the all 22 now. So I will see all of you guys tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Wednesday, as we talk through exactly what's going on with the Bears all 22. But until then, Bears fans, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us.